0: I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny.
1: I love it. Do you like Uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. And you dropping your voice.
0: That could be our our first intro. (laughs) So without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. (laughs) In this episode, David is going to be giving a presentation he gives to professionals and folks with ADHD all across the country. It's amazing. And he managed to give it to some of our neurodiverse and neurotypical friends and family. Christina, AJ, Gabe, and my husband, Bobby. Thank you so much for joining us. Amazing friends and family. So for this episode, you're going to hear David talking about a PowerPoint presentation. Kind of hard to do over a podcast. So if you want to see some of these visuals he's talking about, go to our show notes to a link. Or go straight to our website, somethingshinypodcast.com. That's somethingshinypodcast.com. And you can check them all out for free. Now, without further ado, here is the brilliant David talking about all things ADHD.
1: So I'm about to show a slide that's going to totally make everyone understand why you get into fights when you leave and why why procrastination happens. Who's excited? (laughs) All right, here we go. This is called a scalloping effect in terms of data. And for those of you that can't see this slide, it'll be on the show notes, but like for those of you that can't see the slide, just imagine a bar graph that starts very, very low and then like right towards the end, it shoots up to the top and shoots right back down. So the best way I think about this is the up and down axis is anxiety and the bottom axis is time. So right here on the very lowest part of this graph, my professor, Sonny Citronbaum, assigns a paper. This paper, all my friends start working on, but I realize I got I got like three weeks to write it. So like I'm playing Frisbee at this level of the bar graph. Right here I'm playing like Mario Kart with my friends. And then right here we got done with a flip cup party. Definitely not doing any studying. And then right here is the like there's two days before the test, this is right before the data starts shooting up, right? Right here I go, oh my God, I don't have anything done, I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna end up homeless, I'm gonna live in a, like, in a van by the river and no one's gonna love me anymore, and I wasted all my time and money going, oh my God, what am I doing, how do I start Jesus? And now everything I'm doing, I'm terrified, right? And everything I do now has immediate instant gratification to making you feel better. Any action towards task completion is naturally reinforcing at this point. Oh, I got my first sentence done. Whew, feel better. Second sentence, ah, feel better. Oh, I'm on a flow. This flow feels really good because it's getting me farther and farther away from the dragon. Oh, yeah, I'm almost done. I don't care that there's a thousand misspellings because I didn't die. Like This is, this is all part of it. And then you turn in the paper and go to sleep for the, like, the rest of the weekend, two days. <laughs> It's why, this is why procrastination and why anxiety. It's, you can see, the, this could be anxiety, this could be anger, this could be arousal. Childbirth. It could, oh my God, I'm, I don't even understand because I have a penis. But I would say, specifically, when we look at this and we look at this graph, I think what's really important to kind of honor is we are using anxiety or anger as self-medication and if it ever the good thing when people talk about like when should i do medication or when is it appropriate like i'm not a dude that like here's a med for you here's a med for you like i'm not i'm not like here to throw out meds it's not my goal but i'd say the second you like the anxiety or anger around procrastination gets in the way of your life makes it hard for people to relate with you like when that gets in the way of your life now all of a sudden if i said could you see how a stimulant might help A stimulant medication now raises your ambient level of stimulation without you having to be anxious, angry, or aroused. So it feels like you can actually work. Now we think about the allele cells and the environment. You need that stimulation to be able to work. And so with medication and stimulant medication, that's how it actually ends up helping. It gives you the sense of urgency without a crisis. And people go, it's just like math. And it's just like, and when we can explain it like this to people, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Now, the dilemma that we also have with ADHD medication is it makes people, like if you give it to a neurotypical person, I love this. If you give ADHD medication to a neurotypical person, they will not perform better on the task, but they will believe they did. They will write a five-page paper and be like, that's the best five paper I've ever, like, i ever written. And then they'll turn it in and they'll get an A. And they are like, oh, confirmation bias. But, like, the reality is they would have gotten an A anyway, right? The ADHD person significantly improves scores, believes they're cheating, right, because they have low self-esteem. So it's not like glasses. They, they immediately do better, but they also have the better evaluation of their work. Now, think about this. The side effect of it is to give you a better appraisal of work that you just did. A neurotypical person has an over-exaggerated sense of accomplishment. Like, it's the best sculpture that's ever been made by man. The ADHD person doesn't think it's a bunch of crap. They now think it's pretty good. And now, while they're working, it actually reinforces more work because you're building on mastery. It's why almost anyone will take an ADHD medication and feel better about it, right? But when someone doesn't need ADHD medication, it makes transitions harder, it makes them more angry. It makes them more anxious over time. It makes them more rigid. And when we, we see it work with the ADHD population, it dramatically increases flexibility, or it helps with the stress tolerance. It helps with transition. It's very, very different. This is why procrastination is a part of every person with ADHD's life. Everyone, inattentive, hyperactive, combined, everyone. We procrastinate when we need more medication. So people might procrastinate around getting ready to go on a trip, getting ready to pack, making a grocery list, folding laundry. I'm just listing like things that I know people with ADHD definitely can't tolerate. And so we procrastinate. Making lunches. The more boring the task, the more stimulation you will need to do it. So like, what I often, the joke that I say in the room all the time is like, you'll see the ADHD person like pairing socks, like these damn socks and get, get, get them all the time. All, but like, that's so typical, right? Because it's such a low stim task. You gotta make that exciting somehow. Might as well beat the crap out of socks because they don't care.
2: So where, 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 where's the balance of like, because uh, when I hear that, I'm just like, well, I'm just gonna accommodate myself and never touch
1: socks again, right? Yeah. Right, so but there's a certain point, it's like, well, you gotta be an adult. Why? And tell me now, and this is where we're going to have a groundbreaking moment. Please explain to me why pairing socks is part of being an adult. Because you're married and you have to wear socks every every day. Do you have lots of different socks? I don't. No. Because, yeah. So why do you have to pair them? Oh, I don't. I don't. I haven't touched socks in years. Outsource. I guess what I'm saying is like the ADHD accommodation for people is to buy the same color sock and don't pair it. Have a sock drawer filled with socks. I guess. All right. So if you, but the belief is I'm cheating in life and I'm not, being, I'm not being a good adult because I didn't pair socks like they did in the movies. I didn't do it like the Norman Rockwell painting. I didn't do it and you're seeing it, right? That's yeah, totally. Of.
2: But still the question remains of like, at what point, I mean, maybe there's not an answer to this, of, of like, oh, I, I, want to, I want to fold laundry. I would like to be able to fold
1: laundry. Okay. Well, I don't fold laundry at all right now. Like, so how do you gain that skill? I could medicate myself. That's one way of adding stimulation. Another way of adding simulation is a great question. And another way you can add simulation is with time. How many socks can I pair in one minute, 30 seconds? Don't cheat. Start a timer. And now now you're channeling this into more excitement. You you have to experience excitement, arousal, anger, or anxiety. Which one do you pick?
2: Romantic nature of danger.
1: So set a timer or what I do is I'll listen to music and see if I can get it all done before the song ends. And I'm very mindful about which song I pick.
0: Can I, can I
3: offer?
1: We can.
0: I just want to offer another take on it that I recently like, like made my brain think differently around a lot of this is, um, how can I gamify it? Yep. May turn something into a, like something you can win or lose, like everything that makes a game, a good game, like whatever that game is to you. Right. But like, make it into a game like Mm -hmm. so it could be like the timing it could be the like the pressure it could be
1: like just like oh can i do the thing or whatever gamifying it is great because now you experience winning we're talking about different ways you can get dopamine we're talking about risky behavior we're talking about like all of that
2: becoming a win this is something i was doing even before i knew about this but you've given me the vernacular with which to describe it
1: the metacognition
2: around it yeah it's like oh the reason i actually started folding my laundry was because this was like this is a good thing she appreciates it it makes her happy that's a win
1: love language yeah <laughs> and and so this is where you're like, you're learning how to do that you're you're taking the time now there's like reasons behind it it's like mm-hmm. but the cool thing here is when you have that race like for me it's like the song and it's like can I, how much can i fold The coolest thing for me is like when I only have a couple things left, I'm like, I could listen to one more song. Like Now it's easy because I've started. There's structure. There's progress. But it's looking at the giant open thing that makes it really impossible. I just want to get it
2: done as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. That's fast, fast, fast. And so when we think about that, we're talking about breaking large tasks into much smaller tasks. But we don't do that innately. And it's really complex and insidious how we beat ourselves up. I did it to myself earlier this week. I was like, oh, my God. Today I'm going to clean my room. What's wrong with that statement? It's too broad. That's exactly right. Like, okay, if I wanted to actually increase my probability of doing anything, I'd say, like, all right, I'm going to clean off all my counters in my room. That's, that's a directive, smaller task. And the way I work with kids is, I, and this is like totally cheating, and I hijack the buyer's remorse, but I do this as like a family thing. I go, all right, uh, we're going to have this thing. So the first day, you just have to clear off everything off your counters, just everything off your counters. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, yeah, but you could literally take everything and just pour it on the floor. I don't care. Really? Yeah, but then all your counters will be clean. Pour, 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 pour. Great. Now we're going to take everything on your floor. We're going to push it to this one corner. All the clothes go off the floor. Clothes get off. Now we start seeing the floor floors, the organizational pile that they're working through, right? Now it's easier to clean the floor when I say, get all the clothes. Now find all the trash. Now find all the cassette tapes and the eight tracks or whatever these kids are listening to these days.
0: This is why Marie Kondo is a
1: genius. Say more.
0: Okay, because the Spark Joy, Marie Kondo, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, uh, the life-changing magic of tidying up,
1: it's aka also on Spark that, there's Joy. A show on
0: she that, also has like... a show, Tidying Up on Netflix with Marie Kondo. She, invent, well, she invented, she has the Marie method of organizing, which I swear to holy goodness, I'm convinced is like, like I feel like it was designed for ADHD. Because literally the method is such take everything that is one category and put it in a pile yep. and then pick each thing. It's so structured, pick each thing up and then like literally tune in and go, does it spark joy? It's so simple. It's like three sets of things to do but it's also piles. Yep. She's like embracing the, p- I'm
1: sorry I get so excited. It's exactly that. But
0: it's, it has indeed been life-changing.
1: The part that I want to make sure I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm owning about this intervention though, that I want to be very clear is what typically happens when the kid looks at the floor and sees how much they have to clean, they melt down. And this is why I actually recommend it. <coughs> this is when you take your child, and be, this is overwhelming and I'm here to help. I'm here with you. Now let's get all the clothes. And now what are you doing? you and your child are getting all of the clothes and now you're a body double and now you're setting the tone for motion regulation and now you're setting the narrative for like i'm not so stupid it's like no we got to clean this way look at your counters they look really great we can be mindful about what we want to put back on them like it's about slowing down the large tasks and breaking them down so instead of other places where we ruin large tasks as we say we tomorrow morning we're going to leave you're gonna pack lunches. Do you got pa- like all the stuff that gets like folded into a transition is typically not talked about or externalized into a plan. It's like breaking these large things into smaller tasks becomes like it's so obvious, right? But it's so much harder to catch with language. Oh my god, tonight I gotta have dinner. What are you gonna have for dinner tonight? I'm gonna make tacos. I need taco shells. This is how I do it.
2: With uh, two years ago um with our five-year-old really four. uh we discovered that we had to um draw pictures of everything that was going to happen the next day and show him the night before and we'd walk through the pictures and we'd say like all right we're gonna get up we're gonna eat oatmeal for breakfast and we're gonna put on socks because he's uh uh we call it since we're very sensitive to clothing and stuff so we'd walk through every step to get through the day and especially transitions. And so it was like a big piece of paper. We'd draw it out every night and it was magic because he was totally cool stuff then. That...
1: Did you ever do that for yourself? Never, never in my life. I mean, I, I should have and I probably still should. No, okay. don't shoot it all over yourself. It's really about, this is uh, honest, it's like thinking about how we can stretch these moments out a little bit. Like you don't need someone, to, you don't need to draw yourself pictures and say I'm gonna have oatmeal tomorrow. Like that would not be the right list for you, right? But have you ever before bed like thought about what you want to do with your time when you're waking up the next morning what you're going to do first and then second occasionally now you have wind probabilities and now you have structure and now we're talking about routine and now we're like but this is so big it's taking like those morning transitions taking these things and breaking them into their component parts when i'm doing therapy with someone with adhd it's unbelievable how many times i can have a 15-minute conversation about how someone's going to drink a cup of coffee yeah And you're like, this is therapy, and it's like, yes. And like, do you put cream in it or not put cream in it? And when are you going to have it? And when do you start drinking it versus when do you grab your child? Because once you grab your child, you're taking care of your kid, and you forget to drink your coffee, but you need your coffee to get like, these are actually important structural things to focus on. And people think I shouldn't be dealing with this kind of struggle. This is beneath me. This is something a kid would struggle with. I'm going to beat myself with team into a hole and not talk about it, which is why I say I do all these things.
3: I always, I always think of it as you got to put your, uh, you got to put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. So I'll do that. I mean, literally that's what goes through my head when, you know, if I wake up and I I do the thing of, I wake up right at the last minute that I should wake up that I'll always go, okay, well, what do, what do I need to do first so that I can be a better, more, a better human and parent, but like, so that I don't become a monster and then feed into the monster that our toddler's becoming because I can't give him what he you know what yeah. I mean? So I'm like, okay, well you can be a monster for a little bit. So I'm gonna do this so that I don't become a monster. Then I'll help you so you're not a monster anymore. And then we're not monsters. Instead of just perpetually feeding the beast on both sides. It's like you're talking about it, you're
1: normalizing everything that's happening as it's happening. You're you're creating that narrative and process.
3: So like it even it just in my head too, I'm just like I need to do I need to I need to put the oxygen mask on first meaning I could get just eat a hard-boiled egg or make a protein shake.
1: But if you're not taking care of yourself...
3: Then I'm, a, then I'm no good to anybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's how to invest in yourself and when. So drinking your cup of coffee or having an egg. Yeah. I don't,
0: I don't know if this will resonate with anyone, but I, as you just said that, I, I just had this realization, which is like I got really drawn to like body-based therapies and stuff. And when I would talk about it with other people who were really into it, other people who were really into it. Were kind of like talking about these like highfalutin concepts, and I flat out was like, "But you guys, like, doesn't it like teach you to remember to go to the bathroom, or remember to eat, or remember to go to like mm-hmm. like?" There was something about having a structure for how to tune into my physiology, because I would always say like I'm a, like I'm just like a head walking around, right? Like everything else, like, is just like. Besides the point. But meanwhile, I'm hungry, I'm exhausted, I'm, you know, depleted, my energy's not kept up and stuff, which I'm sure is like pretty common, especially in co- like I know for sure at college. But like, there's like this cool thing that happens when I don't know, it's just it just seems so silly. But it's like, there's something we're talking about where it's like, oh, I get stimulation when I'm a little like, I'm a little hungry. So, I part like it. I don't know. I'm just
1: keep going. What you're saying is you're learning different places on how, like, I'm also really hungry as I'm talking. And so, I'm getting <laughs> thinking, I'm imagining all the food I'm going to eat, and it's great. So, I'm you, sorry. no, yeah, I wouldn't be because you're actually talking about like mind body connection, understanding like these needs for transitions and understanding like what your body goes through in these moments.
0: Well, how to put it for me, my my practicing awareness of my body or like my like not necessarily classic mindfulness, but more like paying attention to like literally sensations because mm-hmm. I feel like folks with ADHD already often are very extra tuned into it way more is such a cool Like it's like such an anchor that you could use to help with create structure, even in moments
1: where there is no structure and creating accommodations and all this, it's about thinking about the body and getting body centered. And it's a big piece of it. Playing off what you're saying, just going quick. It's like thinking about body centered interventions is really important. And thinking about making up accommodations it's, it's never the same. One person I worked with was really anxious about giving a talk in front of 200 people. And this is a, like a 14-year-old. And so I said, what would you need to feel better and grounded while you're talking to these 400 people? And they said, I'd like you to put a marble in my sock. I said, what? And they said, put a marble in my sock. They sat there and played with the marble with their toes the entire time they were talking, but it gave them enough distraction that they could attend to more stimulating things. Don't judge the accommodation. Judge accommodation's effectiveness. Would you call it body what, body? body centered just yeah body centered awareness like knowing uh, knowing when you need body soothing when you need body stimulation knowing that chewing gum is a mild stimulant so some people need to chew gum to tolerate more distress i'm chewing gum right now it's how i do this but you probably didn't think about why
0: can i just throw like five more ideas out there like pressure like like weighted blankets or the pressure of your cat in your lap or your dog in your lap or like just having like like the pressure of a shower
1: it's, it's, you think differently pressure is very good to help soothe and slow down it's not necessarily good to attend and it's depending on what the goals are in the moment so, so it depends for some people they need the extra weight to feel comfortable to attend to um, to homework Some people, it relaxes them too much to actually want to be able to think about the homework. So it's like finding out those. But you're totally right. Like pressure can work. What your sweet spot is. What your sweet spot is so important. The trick around everything with ADHD is realizing that there, there is no quick answer and realizing like there is no just because moment. And there is no just, there is no, how do I say it? There's no way to make a hard thing easy except through exposure. The best way out is through. And the dilemma that we have is there are a lot of people that will be anxious around transitions and anxious around moments and they won't push through. When you're dealing with the anxiety of somebody with ADHD, the big tip that I always have is take the train all the way to the end of the station. So is anyone here have a fear of flying? Okay. I won't use flying.
0: Oh, you can do, I've, I've like
1: dealt with it. Okay. Yeah. So if, well, sorry listeners. So if someone has a fear of flying, they go, oh, my God, I have a fear of flying. And actually, they don't have a fear of flying. They have a fear of falling. They actually don't have a fear of crashing. And that's when you all heard what I said. Take the fear all the way to the end of the station is, okay, so you're falling. And how how scared are you while you're falling? I'm terrified. My stomach's in my throat. Oh, God, how's that lasting? I don't know. 60 seconds. We're plumbing you onto the ground. Right, And then you hit the ground. What happens? I'm dead. Okay, then what? Take it I don't want to die. It's like, okay, well, yeah, but like, what, what next? It's like, well, okay, I won't be panicking anymore. You can start like relaxing. You're not still falling forever. Take anxiety to the station. Validate vulnerabilities. Remember to always tell people it is hard. It's not easy. Do you all have any questions? Yeah.
2: About body doubling when uh, you uh, are collaborating
1: with someone or helping assisting
2: them. Uh, if they're not participating in said activity, you're still body doubling and like being there with them to show as an example, uh, do you still go about doing that? Just to be like, hey, this is what we should be doing. Like, I'm gonna be doing this and you see me doing it, hopefully one day, we'll be doing
1: this? Yes and no. It, learning through osmosis doesn't necessarily happen. But what I would say is, let's say you wanna create a time where there's no screens. And so no one in the house uses screens. You could achieve those kind of ritual times what the person does during that time becomes harder so you could read to model reading and that would definitely be helpful, but like What if they draw or write and it's like you're we're looking at like how you can achieve same goals The dilemma we get with body doubling is when you're the one that's used to keep somebody on track. That's when it's harder That that's where it's like we start pushing that dependency line around like attending and stuff and this is when Like, people are really struggling doing work at home. I talk about in-school accommodations, which is something really important. One of the things that I've seen help kids with ADHD, like, just seriously, like, on a different level, no homework is allowed. That's it, no homework. Make them stay after an hour and do homework if you want, but, like, don't send them home with any work to do. It would change everything about ADHD kids. And the pushback I always get from schools is like, well, that doesn't replicate the world of work really well. And I say, please tell me where I get homework like this.
2: <laughs> also, I quit that job.
1: Right. <laughs> also, they have six classes. What kind, when was the last time you had six jobs?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you guys are awesome.
2: Can I ask one more question? Yeah. With ADHD, uh, there's a lot of different types. Is there certain medications that help certain people the most? Are there medications that actually you have seen better results in people? Or that's just
1: too... It's such a good question. And I'd say, like, I've seen every medication work and not work. Okay. And what I've noticed is for some folks, um, when anxiety is the predominant problem, right, anti-anxiety medications can actually make dramatically increase attending because anxiety is what's distracting. For kids that are more pure, hyperactive, or pure ADHD, I've seen anti-anxiety medication take the wind out of their sails because now they don't have that stimulation they need. So now they're like, oh, I just... it, It can make somebody depressed. And so, like... It's really about like focusing on effectiveness for the individual. I have, there's some people I know that can literally go without taking medication to school because they're running around the block three times before they go to school in the morning. And there's some people that that would never do it, like would never work. Other questions I typically hear is like when people take medication, it's really hard to eat. So how do I get around that? Because you can get really cantankerous and angry at the end of the day. So I tell people to drink, not alcohol, but like, you know, like protein smoothies or things like that. When it's hard to chew, you can drink. Um, do you think that, do you think that, uh, there are more people that, um, are there more people with
2: ADHD that are not medicated versus people that have ADHD that are medicated? Do you think that there is, or do you think that people that are not medicated should have something or are there more functioning
1: people with ADHD that do not need medication? It's such a good question. I I would say like, I think ADHD is severely undiagnosed, like underdiagnosed. And, um, I think that we do a horrible job around race, I think that we, we we seem to find ADHD in all the white kids, right? And we don't necessarily find ADHD in the Latino kids or the black kids or, like, the Asian kids as much. It's very, very different. And, like, the dilemma is it's, like, it's happening in all the populations, but, like, Oh, we can't let a white kid freak out. Is typically what happens, or we're we were typically seeing this aggression with this black child. I can't tell you how many times I've been consulted on cases where I get a neuropsych saying oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, and like this is a kid with ADHD, but they're a black child that they live in a, in a marginalized society. And I think like when we're talking about like does everyone have it, or is it undiagnosed or medication? I'd say like there are, are there people that are taking medication that shouldn't. Yes. Are there people that are taking medication that should? Yes. Are there people that aren't getting medication that need it? It's like, yes. And it's just, it's one of those messes that like, the biggest thing for me, and this will be my closing statement, we can like end. The way we think about ADHD medication needs to be, in my opinion, the guy without the MD, because I'm not a doctor, right? I have no business saying this, but I'm impulsive, so I'll say it. We need to absolutely rethink about the way we give ADHD medication. Extended release medication, right? If you need to fold your laundry and go grocery shopping, why do you need a medication working for eight hours? It's like carpet bombing an outhouse. We need to think about ADHD medication as a more PRN established thing. I would love that to help kids learn more about their metacognition. And what I mean by PRN is like, you don't take Tylenol every day to avoid having a headache. You take it when you have a headache. I would want people to be more aware of the situation and places in their life where they need the medication as a support. Oh, I'm going grocery shopping. I should probably take my pill that will last four hours. I'll go grocery shopping, I'll get the car cleaned, I'll start dinner. Like, that's, that's an appropriate use of time. I don't know a single person in the world that sits down and focuses for 15 hours straight. <laughs> Air traffic controllers, and they're, they're on a lot of drugs. Coffee. Coffee. Oh, no, seriously. Yeah. And that's like a whole other podcast we could have.
2: More podcasts. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. that was amazing that was really good thank you so much for listening if you ever have that thought where you think hey i'm nothing stop remember you're something something shiny
0: that's right just as you are if you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast please subscribe rate and review anywhere you listen to podcasts we're on instagram as something shiny podcast And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of, and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks.